Hello, everybody. This is Bird's Eye Astrology Podcast. This is episode nine? 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 Yeah. Nine! Nine. We are recording at 8.05 p.m. on August 23rd in New York City, New York. Um, I am Arthur. I am one of your hosts. I'm Margaret. I'm your other host. We had a third host for a while i'm not sure we've officially talked about this yet uh no we haven't if you're if you're just joining us uh well if you're not just joining us uh our former co-host nate has decided to take an indefinite leave of absence from the podcast we will miss him dearly but he has a lot of great um fantastic career opportunities going on uh, and I'm super excited for him. We love you, Nate. We love you, Nate. Our audio engineer, who you will not hear, is Cat <laughs> uh, Grub, and they will be super happy upon hearing this moment in the recording, which I'm going to ask them to leave in, that I no longer have a fan going in the background that they have to edit out the sound of. unfortunately uh i am also in a big empty apartment and there is some weird mechanical sound coming from somewhere which you will hopefully never know about and hopefully it won't sound too echoey either because our audio engineer is brilliant and talented and uh all of that we also love you cat we love you cat Arthur, how was your August? Uh, <laughs> That's pretty I, much the noise that I made too. So <laughs> Yeah. Um I mean the meat grinder ended when July ended, but it still took some time to get up to speed. And I'm really thinking that a lot of um I mean it's all taking place within the context of the barnyard. Mm-hmm. Like what all even when the astrology is relatively good, relatively decent, we've still got those three fuckers in Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> yup. You know, Saturn, Pluto, and the South Node providing a less than amazing uh atmosphere for everything else to take place in. Um like when Jupiter stationed direct, I felt that. I felt things get better from there on out in a big way, but I'm like super Jupiter ruled and influenced. Yeah. I felt it too. Same, same, same. Yeah, but it still was taking place under the atmosphere of the boneyard. Mm hmm. Well, like you said on a recent tweet, like Jupiter's kind of the only thing that's like keeping it positive right now. Keeping it afloat. Well, basically, yeah, I mean, Jupiter and Sagittarius is our saving grace for 2019. Um, what I said in the tweet was that it, he's keeping the economy from collapsing, which 
I'm not looking forward to, but everyone who pays attention and knows what's going on financially, whether or not they're an astrologer, is like we are overdue for a big recession. Yeah. Which isn't fun to think about, but I have a good feeling that we have at least until Jupiter goes into Capricorn at the um, right near the start of December before we really have to worry about that hitting the fan. Right. So invest in your Jupiter and Sag magics from your local astro-magical practitioner. <laughs> Uh, yes if you can afford to while you can uh caitlin Coppock has great stuff it's fear and sundry uh tony mack makes custom talismans that are also brilliant pieces of jewelry and well worth the money if you can afford it and want a brilliant piece of jewelry uh, i also have been pointing people towards joshua proto for um more affordable talismans that are not as you know bright shiny amazing artwork jewelry but get the job done really well Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of good people out there um and it's you know it's worth getting the you know picking up (laughs) it's worth getting into astro magic now if you can while we have jupiter and sagittarius yeah Absolutely. Um, Or at least reaching out to the friends of the podcast that I mentioned before. Anyway, in September, Jupiter is going to be picking up speed. It's funny, uh, Margaret and I were talking, and I I don't know if I mentioned this last episode, but we're talking before the recording about how when Leo season comes around, every Leo is like, yes, Leo season. Meanwhile, us poor Virgo risings are just done uh, like i i have a theory i was telling arthur about that virgo risings operate under the school year as the calendar year for themselves because every virgo rising i've ever met is just like oh my god it's almost time for school to start even if you haven't been in school for 10 15 years it's like oh it's fall <laughs> it's it's the start of our year everybody <laughs> so i've been feeling that energy let me tell you you know oh school starting virgo friends Let's buy school supplies. <laughs> it's too real. Don't even play like it's not real. <laughs> Do you have a fancy pen collection? I have a collection of pens that are nice. I don't have like an explicit fancy pen collection, but I'm finicky about my pens. Yes. Okay. That's yes. totally a Virgo rising thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's a strong Mercury thing in general. If you can tell, listeners, my energy now compared to my energy from the last episode has significantly changed. (laughs) Probably this Virgo pileup is energizing the crap out of me. So doing some good for you. Yeah. Bunch of planets in Virgo is basically what the first couple weeks of September are. Yeah. I mean, August ended on a new moon in Virgo, which was just every personal planet in Virgo. Um, Yeah, I think it's the 30th. 30th, yeah. Mm -hmm. But even for like first couple weeks of September, you've got uh, Sun, Venus, Mercury, and Mars all in Virgo. So it's just Virgo, 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 Virgo. And because 
like all of that is going to rule some stuff. Everybody's going to be feeling a lot more Virgo-y. It's fun. Give in. <laughs> <laughs> How's that self-criticism going, Margaret? I what self-criticism? <laughs> <laughs> I have Jupiter in Virgo, so I'm getting activated right now. <laughs> I'm very nice. extra at the moment. <laughs> that is the part that it, and and we have astro magic to thank for this too. Yes, we do. <laughs> Seriously, invest in some good stuff. It'll there's crappy freaking astrology coming up next year. Uh Get, Please. get it while the getting's good. It'll get you through the world falling apart and then coming back together again. It'll come back together. Don't worry. But like, just get, you know, you can cosplay post-apocalyptic war zone for a few months and then we'll get back to it. I mean, basically, we don't have to worry about that just yet. <laughs> I do want to reemphasize the thing that's been really very present in my mind, which is that, you know, the Saturn-Pluto cycle defines moments in history that things feel apocalyptic and hopeless. And with the Jupiter-Saturn cycle, 2020 is the end of an era in a very literal way. Yeah. So two years from now, the world's going to be unrecognizable. And I think that's just... why it feels like the world's ending is because, one, the world as we knew it is ending, which is what brings forth the world as we don't know it. Mm-hmm. And the Saturn Pluto just creates a heavy, oppressive atmosphere of apocalyptica, which invariably feels inevitable, you know, impossible to defeat. And I think it's really easy to, with all the news, with the fires in the Amazon rainforest, and I mean, who knows what will develop in terms of that between when we're recording this on August 23rd and when this podcast eventually comes out. But I think it is important to keep in mind that, uh, as I like to say, and as Margaret likes to quote me, evil always triumphs in the middle. It's like the best quote ever. I say it all the time to everyone, whether they get it or not. <laughs> but it's so real. Like, imagine surviving like really tough times, and then the non-tough times are going to feel like cake. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things we learned from astrology is that sometimes are really freaking tough and then those times end. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I push the master magic so hard just because it is so powerful and it really does represent a lot of great potential to um, keep yourself going in times like these. Yeah. Like, I want people to survive. I want people to thrive. I want people to do, be doing well in spite of everything, you know, being the way it is in the world. And I think, you know, I got into astrology through the magical world, um, which I was raised in. And it is one power that they can never take away from you. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we have to seize it. But back to Virgo. <laughs> Oh, Virgo. Virgo, I mean, critical. Critical is, I think, the key word, for, one of the key words for Virgo, both in the sense of turning a critical eye towards and maybe being overly critical and critical thinking and uh, determining what's critical and what's not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a word that 
serves a lot of different uses when it comes to the Virgo archetype. All the murky stuff of planning and organization and detail focus in terms of concrete, specific organizational tasks, that's what Virgo excels at. And so take advantage of this time of the first couple of weeks of September to get a lot of that work done. Also, um, observation. I feel like that's a, that's a less uh, commented on facet of Virgo. Um, oh, I thought you were saying observation, as in I have an observation, and that's ah, why it was like. Shoot. I also I have an observation about observation, um, but it's more how of, very observant. Yeah, how very Virgoian <laughs> of me. Yes, yes. Um, I've often heard Virgo rising in particular, but Virgo described as the observer. Um, Interesting. And like I can attest with me before I fully developed my jupiter conjunct ascendant thing um you can kind of spot a virgo if they're especially the rising if they're in a new situation because they'll sit back and they'll look around and they're taking it all in and then it takes me usually three or four months to warm up to a new job just because i have to get a feel for it i have to be like who do i need to talk to who do i need to avoid i have to categorize you know i have to categorize everything yet another virgoian trait so um observation might become a theme and it's interesting because like Mars and Virgo, how do you aggressively observe? But like, you'll see it kind of manifesting and stuff. Maybe you'll see things that you've never seen before. And you're like, what What do I do with that? Or what do I do with this information? So you might find yourself making more lists, even if you're not a list maker, maybe even in your head. Um, what do I have to do today? Could be as simple as that. Or what should I do with my life? Pros, cons. Open a bunch of tabs in Chrome and then, you know, exit, <laughs> exit them out as they no longer suit you, which is actually how I chose my college major. Good times. And you'll... Wait, wait. No, 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 no. Give me that story. I've never told you that story? Okay. I don't think you ever told me that story. I was in college. Um, I went to Northwestern. And a fun fact about Northwestern is a lot of people who go there already kind of know what they want to do when they're freshmen, which was not me. Um... So I was hanging around and I was undecided for the majority of, for all of freshman year. And I wanted to do something science related. So I went to a physics major pizza party and I left like signed up as a major. Like the advisor had the sheets and was just like, here, fill one of these out before you leave. And the next thing you know, I was a physics major. I was like, oh, okay. And then (laughs) as much as I liked physics, I was like, I don't really know if I want to go down this route. So I went into the liberal arts, um, college of arts and science majors list. And I opened every single major in a tab and I went through and I read through every single tab and I was like, "Mm, no X, maybe keep move on. Mm, No X. Yes, definitely keep. And then I would whittled it all down. And then I had an open window of like four tabs anthropology, psychology, environmental science, and geology or earth and planetary science, which if you looked at my chart would all make hella sense. Um, (laughs) Yeah, isn't that quintessential? Arthur knows my chart, so he's probably like, oh my goodness. Um, But I was like, I want to make money. I don't want my parents to give me guff for choosing this major. So there goes psych. No offense, psych majors. Um, kind of want to go back and there's, do that now because I am like an adult. So maybe there's there's real freaking money in 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 counseling and therapy. Oh, absolutely! But my parents are of the earth. 
nature and they would have been like what are you gonna do with that so I just didn't even want to have that conversation so I was like oh if I want to do it later I will but I'm not gonna do it now and then anthropology I wasn't a big fan of the research focus at the university and environmental science had too much stats I was like I don't want to do stats I want to dig around and cut up rocks so then I was an earth major and I did a lot with materials and gems so science major yeah Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I'm that's a Taurus sun for our listeners, so that's not a big surprise. <laughs> Double earth sign and you're an earth science major. But all that story is actually really good in terms of like getting a handle on Virgo and how Virgo works. And also, I think why you, you mentioned you have Jupiter in Virgo. I do, yes. So Jupiter doesn't do so well in Virgo because Jupiter is like big, expansive, think of all the things, go really well. And then Virgo is like, let's focus on these tiny, tiny little details. Yeah, Virgo, Jupiter Virgo is compartmentalizing the big picture, which can be very useful. It can be very useful where you think it would be. But I have had notoriously my entire life this horrific problem of being able to see and ferret out like hidden stuff. I have an active eighth house, so that makes sense. But I can never see what's right in front of me, ever. And I blame Jupiter <laughs> Jupiter and Virgo for that. I'll be like, where are the scissors? And then I will spend an hour looking for the fucking scissors, and they're sitting like on my desk. I mean, maybe that's his ADD. Could be. I don't know. <laughs> that is very possible. I have read a lot of literature, and I think that might be possible. Or my Gemini progressed planets, because it wasn't like this as much when i was a kid mm, that's so fair. i've thought about it but you're absolutely right like i've read literature and i'm like that sounds familiar <laughs> there's um i i am fond of saying that the the dsm for those who don't know the dsm the diag the the god i'm going to i forget what the s stands for it's diagnostic it's the diagnostic something manual ah there's the s Di- exactly uh, is like the thing used in in psychiatry and psychology to give people diagnoses. Diagnostic um, and, and statistical manual. That's it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I like to describe it as at its core a no more than a valiant effort to nail jelly to the wall. That is excellent. <laughs> because like you think you can categorize into neat little boxes mental illness. I mean, it's probably a Virgoian effort, but it is kind of it's a it's a valiant Virgoian effort. But I think we've really covered Virgo at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you ever have any questions yeah. about Virgo or want a mercurial slash Virgoian heavy astrologer, please message me. <laughs> I will be happy to help you. Yeah, if you want to get really into the details, yeah. <laughs> Margaret's your, your astrologer. The night of the 13th, of September 13th, uh, there's a full moon at 21 uh, degrees Pisces with sun at 21 Virgo. And so that's that's going to be a nice, fun full moon. Full moons are always excellent party nights because people are really feeling it and active and really want to go out and energize. And I, I routinely stay up way later than I want to on a full moon. And like it actually in New York, it goes exact like half an hour, like I think 1232 AM uh, 
Friday night, so technically the 14th in this time zone, but in the 13th and a lot of others. Um, and part of what's interesting about that is you've got, is that like within a few hours, Mercury and Venus will have both entered Libra. Mm-hmm. So you go out late, you have a good time, you party, it's a Friday night on a full moon, you wake up super late because you were out night partying and sleep in Mercury and totally make yourself breakfast and, in bed. <laughs> and Mercury and Venus are in Libra. Yeah. So yeah, you've got a couple of days of a super closely conjunct Mercury and Venus there, first in Virgo and then in Libra right around the time of this full moon. So that is also a very big improvement for Venus because Venus does not like to do... Venus does not like being in Virgo. I like to say that it's because it's very hard to be chill and relaxed and super self... and super into yourself the way Venus likes to be when you're focused on picking apart every little detail. Mm Mm-hmm. Virgo can be extremely self-critical, which makes it hard for Venus to do her thing there. And Virgo is not always big on the chill, and Venus wants to chill. Yeah. On the other hand, Venus in Virgo is an excellent natal placement for uh, non-monogamy or other relationship styles that require a lot of communication about boundaries and uh, who does what when and yada yada. Like, Venus and Virgo excels at... Like, there's a joke in the polyamory community that you you know it's official when you've shared your Google Calendar. <laughs> yes. And that is... That sort of thing is why Venus and Virgo is really good for, like, polyamory or other forms of ethical non-monogamy or, say, um, say long-term BDSM dynamics where there's a lot of, like, ongoing mutual negotiation of roles and rules yeah um so like basically and and this is brings back to one of the interesting things that charles Olbert talks about of how planets in signs that of poor dignity quote unquote uh function very well as rebels against uh the societal expectations of that planet right you know, Venus and Aries is often very much like, I'm not going to be the kind of woman that you expect me to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Venus and Virgo uh, has a lot of that as well. I can talk about that all day. From personal experience associating with people close to me, it's an acts of service love language. Venus and Virgo natal placements. Interesting. I have seen it become kind of a thing when Venus is in Virgo transit. You kind of just want to do things for people and preen. Interesting. I see preening. I see a lot of preening in public. (laughs) It's not a bad thing, but. No, totally. It's just kind of cute, Virgoian stuff. Like, come here, you have something fuzz on you. (laughs) Or, you know, stuff like that. Mercury does do well in Virgo, though. Mm -hmm. Because Mercury's all about, like, the detailed analysis. Pick Pick apart the little pieces. So both of them shifting into Libra is going to be good for Venus and not, a you know, not bad for, not terrible for Mercury, but a bit of a downgrade. It's marked in just indecisiveness in thought is something I see a lot. Not necessarily hemming and hawing, but like too many options. I usually see that when it transits Libra, when Mercury does. Yeah. 
I often see Mercury and Libra as very much like um, sort of the inverse of, v- of, of Venus and Virgo in terms of not doing the relationship communication very well. Yeah. Because it requires a certain amount of confrontation to do that well. Mm-hmm. And both Virgo and Libra are, pl- are signs that um, don't always do well with confrontation. Right. Uh, but Libra is definitely worse at it, um, <laughs> broadly speaking. Yeah. Um, probably the two signs that I see struggle the most with uh, confrontation and its essential and extremely valuable partner uh, setting appropriate boundaries. <laughs> yeah. The two signs I see struggle with that the most are Libra and Pisces. Yeah, I would say. And Venus and Libra is very good at, I mean, part of why, I mean, an Earth sign is going to be solid. That's part of what Earth is. So you can you can have a certain amount of decent boundary setting with Virgo and Taurus, the other Venus sign. But without the Earth energy, Libra, where Venus has rulership, and Pisces, where Venus has exaltation, it makes sense that the boundary setting isn't always good there because part of what Venus is supposed to do is connect rather than divide. Mm-hmm. You know, Mars divides. Mars is a knife. It cuts and it thrusts. Yeah. And Venus wants to unify, wants to bring things together. Uh, in Libra, it does that very well in social settings. You know, like Venus and Libra astromagic, for example, very good at, you know, making usually making someone more of a social butterfly and attract a lot of attention and like you know with mercury and venus together in libra it's a good time to get some schmoozing done yeah it's also worth noting that um mars is going to be in virgo the entire month of september and part of why this is notable is because it is utterly cock blocking any sagittarius rising elections yes a big theme of 2019 in terms of just picking good astrological times to do shit has been whatever you do, do it under sad rising. Because you've got Jupiter there, you can make it work. Yada, and now that Mars is in Virgo, you can't do that. Because, you know, one, it's going to be during the day. And so Mars is meaner during the day. And so he's going to be right up there at the top of the chart with sad rising. So I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff with Pisces rising now, like this recording, because I mean, you still have Mars in an, you know, you still have Mars in like an angular house. You've got Mars in the seventh, and it's not the best, but you've still got Jupiter ruling the ascendant, and the sun will be, you know, it'll, it'll be a night chart. It'll be dark out, so Mars will be better behaved. Don't have to worry about him so much. Right. So that's just, yeah, that is all of us who are doing any sort of election astrology, trying to figure out when to do shit is going to be like, oh, man, Mars and Virgo, that fucker. <laughs> yes. And this is not to, like, criticize people. Like, I'm, I'm not down on people with Mars and Virgo. It is a very good placement for um, aggressively attacking <laughs> uh, your to-do list. That's Mars and Virgo to me. It's like, you know, like uh, maybe a little too enthusiastically sometimes, but making it work for him, just super going into the detail work and the education. Right. 
for people who are starting school uh, this fall, I will be starting um, my final semester of undergrad after Woo! all these years. I mean, I, that's my Saturn return thing. <laughs> yeah. Is finishing up my finally getting a freaking bachelor's degree. Uh, I will be starting my final year in the fall and uh, I'm really happy to be starting it under all this Virgo. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, especially because with kind of need to hit the ground running. You can do it. We believe in you. Speaking of, so, yeah, so after Mar- Mercury and Venus go into Libra, there's going to be, the the the, problem, the big difficulty with that is that they'll be running into a square with Saturn. You know, and like all of the stuff once it gets out of Virgo and into Libra is going to come up. And square the boneyard, Saturn first. But at least Saturn will be going direct. Saturn goes direct on the 18th. And it is my hope that that will make him slightly less mean. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's with the... So one of the traditional astrology things, I'm sure I've mentioned this before on the podcast, um, but to go over it again, is that uh, when a malefic, like, Mars or Saturn is is in the same sign as the South Node. The South Node robs it of its ability to do harm. Mm-hmm. Unless the planet, the malefic, is in a sign of good dignity. I can't remember if exaltation counts, but you know, but rulership definitely does. So Saturn and Capricorn, in which case the South Node robs it of its ability to do good. Right. So it is. Saturn is, you know, way meaner than usual because he's with the South Node. Yeah. Or way meaner than he usually would be in Capricorn. And the fact that he's been retrograde probably doesn't help. So at least he's going direct on the 18th. He will probably be a little bit less mean then. I'm praying. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I honestly, like, I've been saying a lot that I'm jealous of the people who are going to have their Saturn returns in Aquarius. Guilty. Yeah. (laughs) You're all going to have Jupiter with you, like, right right out the gate, right with Saturn. You know, this particular run of Saturn through Capricorn is just a rough time to be having a Saturn return. Yeah. Although I honestly can't imagine what it would have been like for the people who were ha- like who were having their Saturn return when I was born, just because they like I I mean I'm part of that mini generation where Saturn was uh, going through Capricorn at the same time that Uranus and Neptune were there. If we have any older listeners who are having their second Saturn return right now with Saturn and Capricorn, or were paying attention to astrology back in the late 80s early 90s let us know what sort of Saturn return stories you heard yeah because i'd be super interested to hear that we'd love to hear about that yeah anyway there hasn't been a it's been a while since there's been a clean saturn food cap um but yeah but honestly like i'm who i'm really jealous of is the people who had their saturn returns in sagittarius before all this went down yeah like, I know someone who opened up a successful nightclub. I know someone who uh, quit her day job to become a professional cuddler. What? I know someone. Amazing. 
Uh, she's got a ton of planets in Cancer. Oh. I know somebody who uh, they just really, really recommitted themselves to their focus on their art and their music. Like all of the stories I was seeing with Saturn Return and, and Sagittarius were about like the freedom of movement and, you know, the expansion past boundaries that you would expect of a Jupiter world sign. That maturity for these people involved being willing to run wild, run free, do their own thing. Um, and I'm sure that part of why these were the stories I found was because I was living in uh, Bushwick at the time, this right at the height of the Pluto uh, square with all these weirdos, uh, queers, artists. I'll actually be moving back to Bushwick um, after living uh, in Queens for a year. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be public about that just because I have a lot of love for, I have a lot of love for the neighborhood and I missed it. And it'll be good to be back among other weirdos and queers and you know, oddballs. Oh, yeah. Again. I'm looking forward to it. That's why I moved to New York in the first place. Anyway. Well, we have the new moon is. Yeah. So the new moon is the next. But, well, I do want to mention that Venus does square Saturn on the 25th. And so she'll be having a little bit of an easier time after that. I mean, she'll still be dealing with the square to Pluto, but that's not going to be as bad as the square to Saturn on the 25th. Right. And, you know, I like a little Venus-Pluto action. It can be dark and intense and overwhelming, and it can also be really sexy. Listeners, you can't hear me, obviously, but I'm wiggling my eyebrows furiously. Just imagine what wiggling one's eyebrows sounds like. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yes, that's the sound. <laughs> so this new moon is at five degrees of Libra on the 28th. One thing that's interesting about it is that it is the exact day that you've got a Jupiter-Venus sextile. So right after Jupiter, sorry, right after Venus gets past the square of Saturn, she starts making the sextile to Jupiter, and that goes exactly right around the same time as the new moon. So that should be a really nice energy. Honestly, the, these are these are genuinely nice lunations. Like the like the lunations in August, not bad. Right. Definitely not bad. Um there's some good stuff coming out from at least one of these lunations, uh, astro-magic-wise. Sphere uh, and Sanji, check them out. So, no, the lunations this month are just really good. And um, one, of, one of the astrologers' jobs uh, in this day and age is to desperately attempt to keep your friends and social media followers who don't know much astrology, but do know a little bit of witchy stuff, trying to keep them from charging their freaking crystals under ugly lunate full moons. Yeah. These are nice full moons. If you are a crystal charging person, you have 100% unequivocal approval to charge your crystals and stuff or whatever under these under the full moon. I'm not a crystal charging person. I kind of don't think new moon stuff 
well, I mean, just if you just if all you know about like astrological magic is you do stuff on new and full moons, these are good new and full moons. Yes. So do your new moon ritual seed planting thing on the 28th or the 27th. Go for it. Have my blessing. Because like with the, because you've got, I mean, if you look at both of them, like the full moon on the 13th, 14th, you've got the, the moon is in Pisces, ruled by Jupiter and Sagittarius. Excellent. Sun is in Virgo, ruled by Mercury and Virgo. Excellent. And Mercury is conjunct to benefic. Excellent. And the Libra new moon is ruled by Venus in her own sign, making a sextile to Jupiter and Sagittarius. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. I am praying that the boneyard doesn't come and screw all of this up. I don't think it can do much. It, I really can't do much to fuck with a full moon. It can maybe do a little with the new moon, but honestly, just the the world is a dumpster fire. These are good moments of bright, nice shit happening. Pockets of sunshine. Pockets of sunshine in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Like you gotta or um, the look for the crack, like the crack of light under the, crack the door. Is where the light comes in. Yeah. Exactly. I like so. I like that. That's so beautiful, and I always forget it because it's not my usual. Because uh, because it's almost a little. No, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So we have those little moments, and you got to scoop them up and cuddle on them and take advantage of them. Totally. Yeah. And the thirteenth, fourteenth, twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth. Those are those moments. This month in September. And I do think Saturn stationing direct will make a difference. Like, and part of why I'm, I'm saying this is because before I noticed how much of a difference Jupiter direct made, I wasn't really on board with uh, Saturn in Jupiter's retrograde versus direct makes a noticeable difference. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, those make a difference. Uh absolutely yeah yeah and like i mean it's mostly going to make a difference for people who have a bunch of stuff in their charts ruled by these ruled by the planet so like if you've got a bunch of stuff in capricorn and or aquarius saturn stationing direct is going to be really good for you he'll still be with the south node in pluto but he'll be direct and that'll help yeah wait I'm very excited. Is there anything we missed, do you think? I don't think so. I mean, there's the sun going into Libra on the 23rd. But that happens every year. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I do think that it's worth noting because uh, the sun going into Libra is also going to square Saturn. Yeah, any any of these planets that are going to be in Libra are going to be square to the Boneyard. Yeah. Car- I mean, cardinal signs are taking a hit this year, yeah. so it's it's not like it's a it's a big secret, but it's just something to be like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? and it's gonna make it so. I mean, yeah. Once, look, Venus is gonna get past the boneyard in October. Well, we'll get to that for October. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 
fantastic. I think that's everything. Yeah, I think we got it all. Oh, no. No? There is one. No, we, we missed something. And it's uh, it's actually fairly early on in the month. Um, there's a couple of things, actually. Uh, now that I'm double checking my calendar that for some reason I didn't see already. Uh, it's the the Saturdays in September are notable for some reason. Should we party all month? The funny th- it's not, well maybe the funny <laughs> thing is both of the things I missed that I missed are Neptune things. Oh yeah, ironic. Because that's <laughs> I, 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 what it's uh, no, it's the opposite of ironic because it is exactly <laughs> it's on the nose. What you would expect. On the that's nose. the thing on the nose. Yeah, so there's a Mercury-Neptune opposition on the 7th. Whenever Mercury makes a hard aspect to Neptune, and I include the quincunx in this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but especially the conjunction opposition of square, actually, you know what? I'm going to put the quincunx up there with them for this particular thing. It's just it's much shorter lasting. You get Mercury retrograde style effects, but with the weirdness emphasized. Um, so like things going wrong, communication mishaps, uh, strangeness around, uh, things being said or the way things are organized. Um, that'll put a little bit of a damper on the Virgo party for, you know, a couple days around, uh, around September 7th. There's so much for you Virgo. I'm not sure. And Virgo can totally keep taking there. Um, the other thing is, this is the final of three exact Jupiter-Neptune squares. It takes place on September 21st. And that's worth mentioning because uh, besides the Boneyard, uh, Jupiter in Sagittarius square to Neptune in Pisces is the other main thing characterizing 20, uh, 2019. Um, and uh, that is uh, helping continue along the astrology resurgence and, you know, the pattern of interest in spirituality and religion and stuff. It's also also good for having hope in dark times, even when it is completely unreasonable to have hope in dark times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, sometimes you've just got to have Sometimes you've just got to find the joy and the optimism, even when everything is screaming at you to be a cynical, pessimistic uh, doomsayer. Yes. And it is worth keeping in mind that Jupiter Neptune is there saying, hey, have hope, keep your chin up, doesn't matter if it's fucking dumb, like, keep going anyway. Yeah. Yeah keep trying for it anyway and so because that it is going to be exact on the 21st but it'll basically characterize like most of september most of september in one way or another more than you know as as a the year as a whole but especially most of september Mm -hmm. particularly the period in between the full and the new moon so that is worth noting because uh, you've got this bright, you've got this this bright spot that has the potential to be brighter. Right. 
missed the two Neptune things. Amazing. <laughs> That's, I mean, Amazing. We're, we're on brand. We're, we're <laughs> fine. We're on brand. Yes. Uh, if you can't laugh, then... <sighs> Force yourself to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love your laugh following that. It was just like, laugh! <laughs> yeah. It could be done, folks. It can totally be done. Have you ever laughed without smiling? Ha. <laughs> like, like laugh, like gutturally without moving your face muscles. It's quite something. <laughs> I've, I probably... <laughs> Probably that has happened at some point. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine did that in college, and I just i I can't get it's the image out of my head. It's like emblazoned brain. on my mind forever. <laughs> uh, anyway, love recursive thoughts. Yes, love recursive thoughts. Um. What's interesting is that as hard as August has been, there's also, and, and as hard as this year has been in general, it's also been filled with some amazing, incredible, wonderful magic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to keep that in mind, that that is something that emerges from these dark times. Like, I'm not going to put all that all on Jupiter. I'm not, not going to put that all on Jupiter and Neptune. Like, there is something about being having your face rammed into the crucible that brings out magic and miracles and incredible wonderful potential um i think in part because this energy knows that it has to end and it wants to sow the seeds of its own ending ah yeah like the evil overlord is always going to make the mistake that lets the heroes win Mm-hmm. eventually there's something about not like petty normal everyday evil but grand archetypal evil that fucks up and gets so stupid and um self-sabotages yeah and that i think is something to keep in mind about this point in history that part of why things seem like they're ending is because they're ending. <laughs> yes, because they are. <laughs> and this dark time will not last forever and we will find a way to get through it. And <sighs> we'll be okay. Humanity as a whole will survive. We'll be okay. And then I think it's scary and it feels like and a lot of people are at risk. Mm-hmm. And it is important to acknowledge that there are some people who are genuinely at risk, that people are dying, that people are suffering. And that does not mean you personally will end up in that position. Right. You know, like... And that's why magic, and that's why I keep recommending people do magic, because it's because what magic does is it loads the dice that that the gods play with the universe. 
um, and it loads them in your favor. Yeah, definitely. All right. Calling it. Going to call it there. (laughs) Uh, That seems like a good note I want to end on. If you want to stay in touch with the podcast, um, you can find us on uh, Twitter at birdseyeastro. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, um, you're also an astrologer and you'd like to get on and join us at some point. Uh, we won't necessarily say yes to that, but, uh, you know, we we have room for guest stars now. Oh, yeah. Definitely have some people in mind. So, yeah, so shoot us an email birdseyeastrology at gmail.com and if you enjoyed the episode make sure you uh make sure to like and subscribe uh yeah but no uh subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on leave us a nice rating uh it really helps us out uh like it's 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 difficult to overstate how much that really helps us out and helps us like a lot keep doing please keep yes <laughs> keep doing what we're doing yeah um, if you want to get in touch with me personally, I'm on Twitter at Lip and Bone, on uh, Instagram at Readings by Arthur. Um, you can go to bit.ly slash A-L-B-R-E-A-D to check out my readings. Um, you know, I love helping people find find hope and find power and find ways to really get through and make it work and make their lives work better. And I'm really passionate about that. And it's why I do astrology. And, you know, I love, I love client work is my favorite part. And I'm also extremely funny on Twitter. So at Lip and Bone. Facts. Mm -hmm. My weeklies are going to be on hiatus for a little while longer, but my daily heart, my daily astro weather is up every day on Twitter and Instagram, and I even do a little bit of a song associated with the weather on my Instagram story when it cooperates. Um, also, if you want to support me on Patreon, um, I you can find me at patreon.com slash Arthur Lipanowitz. Um, Fabulous. Margaret, what's your stuff? Um, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, my email is skyrootsastrology at gmail.com. S-K-Y-R-O-O-T-S astrology at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at madmarg underscore. So M-A-D-M-A-R-G underscore. Um, That is also my Instagram handle. And you can find me on Facebook as well. But if you have any questions or you want to book a reading with me, go ahead and send me a message on on any platform, Twitter, email, anything. Um, And we'll be able to set that up for you. Yeah, and and like you were saying earlier, uh, Margaret's real Margaret, you know, is a Virgo rising, so she doesn't like to pump herself up too much. But she's really, you've you've got that eye for detail. Yeah, that's super helpful in picking out picking stuff out in charts. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the pump up there. You're welcome, my dear friend. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening once again. Catch you next month. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.